Hello everyone, welcome to the next episode of Azure On Air. Today we have Sandra Wandi Weld, who's an Azure IoT platform architect for Alton, who's specializing in designing and developing Internet of Things platforms. And I'm, uh, he's a uh, Microsoft certified Azure IoT developer as well. Uh, Command, with this commendable uh, contribution to the community, he's been awarded six times the Microsoft MVP award since 2017. And he also works closely together with Microsoft on new features and innovations. He's very interested in using new techniques, but with interoperability and maintenance in mind. And he's very likely to learn every day and to share his experience with the wedding community like us. I'm very excited to bring in Sander for the show. Hi, Sander. Hello, hello, Amirta. Yeah, so uh, Sander, so let's give a heads up to the audience on what we're going to speak today. So Sander and I, when we started connecting for the podcast, we just planned to speak on Azure IoT. Since um, Sander is very, ex- he's an expert in the platform uh, of Azure IoT platform. So I just decided to have a topic around that so that uh, Sander would throw us a lot of information on that. So, Sander, just give us a heads up on what you're going to talk. Well, uh, today we'll have an, uh, a short introduction in Azure IoT, but from there we will talk about uh, Azure IoT Edge and Digital Twins and everything in between. Super. So, as you mentioned, a short introduction about Azure IoT. So we would also like to uh, hear it on on your terms. How does this Azure IoT look in the eyes of Sando? Well, um, the IoT platform or a IoT platform in general is made up out of three things. Uh, first of all, uh, you have devices, devices somewhere in the world, uh, many devices. And these devices generate data. That data has to come into the cloud. Cloud is the second uh, component. And each device needs a secure connection to uh, drop off uh, the telemetry and maybe also get some commands back uh, if needed. It's a two-way communication. And lastly, uh, based on the data, we want to have insights. So there will be some kind of reports or dashboards built on top of it to bring value. Okay. So uh, having that spoken about, what are the Azure offerings that we have in terms of that, uh, Sander? Well, the the Microsoft IoT offering is a very broad one. Uh, First of all, um, the most important thing is the uh, cloud gateway. That's the endpoint in the world where the, any device can drop off, off, drop off its uh, tel- telemetry. Uh, that means that each device has a so-called registration inside the IoT Hub. Uh, IoT Hub is the actual gateway resource. Um, and with that registration comes uh, security uh, keys. So each device has a secure connection. Um, and we can see if a device is connected or not. And we uh, also support a uh, online offline scenario. Devices are not always connected. So if I have some information for that device to be picked up, for example, a change in a set point or a change in the send interval, um, I can put it 
in the IoT app. And if the device comes along, it can pick up those uh, desired properties and work on the desired properties. And once they are accepted, it can be reported back in so-called reported properties. So um, that's that's the first uh, and most uh, important um, resource. And once the data comes in, well, from there, you we can do a lot. Uh, we can uh, go for alerting. That's uh, also called the hot path. So, for example, we use Azure Stream Analytics, which is acting as a rule engine for incoming telemetry. And we can aggregate, we can filter, we can combine it, we can join it with other data. And on that, we can um, use, for example, Logic Apps or Power BI to give real-time insights. And yeah, um, if we go to the other side, um, well, Microsoft works together with partners regarding hardware, uh, devices, um, Microsoft uh, normally works together with hardware partners. Any device that you can come up with, which has an internet connection, you probably can co get it connected to the cloud. Uh, Microsoft also has this Azure Sphere offering. This is a device concept of a highly secure um, device. Um, it, it doesn't trust anything. It doesn't even doesn't trust itself. If it, uh, there's a lot of um, gates in there to check if it's compromised. And if it's compromised, it will reset itself and go back to the latest uh, installment of the software on, on it. That cannot be done on the device itself. It has to be done from the cloud. And if a number of devices have that same problem, then the whole family of devices is seen as uh, compromised and it will get reset all, all of them. So uh, that's uh, if you want to go for a really highly secure device, then maybe Sphere is a solution for you. Great. Great, uh, Sander. That was a clear explanation on what we asked for. And also, I'm curious to know about this edge compute. Uh, can you help us understand what edge compute is and where it, how does it facilitate in this Azure IoT platform? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, edge, edge compute, uh, you have to think about uh, some piece of logic, a PC, a laptop, an industrial device, or even a VM, which lives on the edge, that's the name, on the edge of the local network. And it has a secure connection to the cloud, to the IoT hub. Um, this is a perfect way if you have devices somewhere in your factory or in your company or on another place in the world, but it's not allowed directly to connect to the cloud. Uh, there are many devices which do not know the concept of uh, internet, they don't know the concept of, of security, or they expose data which is sensitive. Uh, there's IP in there, or it's uh, GDPR sensitive. Um, then you can use the edge uh, compute as a man in the middle, but then in a positive way, uh, which connects to the uh, devices on the local network, 
does something with the data that's coming in um, and tries to drop it off in the cloud if needed um, based on the logic that you run on the edge. That's nice. So uh, you just mentioned that uh, it's based on the data it's handling. So um, there might be the process of data handling, right? Can you just uh, throw us some light on that? Yeah, well, uh, I already mentioned that um, it's quite common to work together uh, if in the cloud with the IoT hub uh, that that you want to react directly on, on, on data, that there are alerts. Um, that's called your hot path. And that's typically done with Azure Stream Analytics together with Logic Apps or uh, other uh, solutions like something with WebSockets. Hey, you, within a second or millisecond, near real time, you can uh, react on incoming data. But um, on the other hand, uh, there's maybe also coming in data which doesn't have value yet. Uh, there, it's telemetry. It's something that you think it's important, but well, it's 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 not quite clear now. So what you typically do is you drop it off in some cold storage. Um, that's called the cold path, and that could be uh, just a data lake or uh, blob storage. Or nowadays, what we see a lot is Azure Data Explorer, which is a perfect way to store huge amounts of uh, data and uh, to store it in a price-wise uh, way. Um, and uh, once that data is stored in your Azure Data Explorer, um, it's there. Um, you can leave it there. Uh, or you can try to figure out and, and do some uh, um, investigations on the data and try to figure out if there's a trend or an anomaly. And that's done with the custom query language. Um, this is typically something done with, with a data a scientist. Um, and if a data scientist finds something which has value, eh, there's a certain KPI found or an OEE, or um, some trend or anomaly is found, he, he or she can put it in a dashboard um, and uh, to make it more simply, uh, simple, accessible. Uh, I'm, I'm not really fond of querying data. If you want to have some graph or chart, I just want to click on a page and it should be there. Well, um, and that's something that... Um, is called the warm path. So the raw data is aggregated, filtered, enriched uh, on a daily basis, and then it's made available um, in some dashboarding. And because there's something done with that data, it's quite, um, and it has to be accessible in some kind of dashboarding solution. This is mostly a more uh, expensive solution um, and the value of that data is temporary. Uh, you don't look at charts about uh, production from two or three years ago. Uh, after a certain amount of months, um, you probably are not interested anymore. So then it's time to, to wipe it. That original data is still there. It's in the cold storage. So you can create it back. 
But um, WormPath is mostly a, a time-limited uh, path. So that, those are the three pillars of handling data, the hot, the warm, and the cold path. Nice. So um, while speaking with you uh, initially, um, Asanda, before the recording, we just got to understand the term digital twin. I just learned a new term called digital twin. So can you just um, help me understand what it is so that the audience are also benefited? Yes. Um, well, we just talked about the three pillars of handling data. Uh, that's because there are um, different personas, different users of data. And we have the um, the, um, the stakeholder, the owner of the, the product, and he's interested in, in costs and earnings and KPIs. Well, that's something done in the, in the warm path uh, with, for example, Power BI. Um, and uh, then there's the data scientist who wants to look at uh, the raw data um, and he's interested in uh, really tinkering with each uh, data point that's coming in and try to see if it fits or doesn't fit in some trend. Uh, that's, uh, for example, Azure Data Explorer. Um, and then we have uh, the personas like an IT engineer. Uh, he's responsible for the whole pipeline from telemetry, uh, from device to storing the data in the cloud. Or we have the engineer of the device who wants to know about how a device is working. Well, those two personas are typically not really interested in the actual data, but in a, a more smooth re represented technical dashboard. Well, that could be done, for example, with Grafana. And then we have a person who has to make decisions based on the data that comes in, but it, he or she doesn't have the technical skills to actually know what's happening. So the, these people have to be helped uh, with a simplified version of, of what's happening on, on, on the, in the machine or the environment. And that's called a digital twin. A digital twin is a model. It's a representation of something that happens in the real world, but in a simplified way, mostly. It could be very technical, but most of the time, it's just a simplified way. So uh, that twin um, can uh, show the current status of a machine, or you can re, uh, uh, enrich the current data that's coming in with uh, some historical sense of data, something that happened in the past, or you can add to it uh, predictions towards the future. And that's still, of course, from the concept that we're looking at a live representation of that device. Uh, well, once you have that uh, from, from one twin, from one device, well, most of the time, devices are uh, interrelated. Uh, and, and twins are also interrelated. They have a parent, like a machine is... Uh, living on a production line and a production line is living in a uh, building and a building is one of many buildings of the same company so we can have a hierarchy and for example if a fire alarm goes on on a certain uh, machine then probably you have to 
raise also an alarm on building level or maybe even on on premise level so that's uh, the concept of digital twins and, and microsoft offers digital digital twins for that like a beehive a cloud of twins living together in this environment and they are able to respond on the telemetry that comes in and other sources of data and they can uh, traverse through that graph of relationships so if something happens with a certain sensor that could be combined with data from another sensor and then the parent could be alerted and there's an alert on that level so that's that's how digital twins work and on top of that well you can do some nifty visualization like 3d representation of a a, a factory or an airplane or a building with a, a group of people in there um, and you could even try to uh, work with uh, 3d visualizations where you actually see things moving just like in the real world yeah well that's up to your imagination and if you put a hololens on that uh, that would be really really great yeah so that sounds really interesting uh, especially the last part which you mentioned about the 3d figuring and all that i suppose people who are into iot and who are trying to uh, learn uh, the term what digital twin is just like me would definitely uh, love to experiment such things Sander. so uh, apart from all these technicalities that you mentioned we also get to know that you are uh, consulting people who are uh, uh, who are up to uh, with the iot projects yeah you are helping them at any stage of that project yeah can you just give us some real-time uh, examples that you faced or um, what are the benefits and when to use what that would be more of a real-time uh, experience for us yeah uh, well um, the last couple of years we've done well for many years already we've done a, a number of projects and uh, let me uh, pick one or two of them uh, first of all there was a company and um, they have a, a crane, a mobile crane. Um, and it's uh, rented by companies who have to lift stuff from, uh, for example, on a, uh, a construction site. And those cranes, they have a certain reach, say 40 meters or 50 meters. So you hire a crane according to that, uh, to that, to that reach. But uh, the hiring company doesn't have that much of uh, cranes. So sometimes people say, well, I have a load at 30 meters. And then the rental company says, well, I only have one device reaching 60 meters. You can have that one for the price of 30. But then you will see that in the end, there's always something to do at 60 meters. So that means more time, more stress on the uh, operator because he's doing stuff which is not according to the, uh, the offering. And there's uh, some risk involved, of course. And uh, well, the device will uh, wor worn out uh, more quickly. So what we did, we uh, made the cranes cloud connected and we uh, set the limitation from the cloud. Uh, 
So from the cloud, a operator or somebody in the back office can say, okay, this crane can only operate up to 30 meters. So if the crane capable of doing 60 meters normally arrives at the building uh, construction site, it's limited. Um, And uh, if they want to go beyond that 30 meters, they have to call the back office. There are some uh, contracts involved and then it can be changed live within seconds. Um, So that's uh, less stress for the operator and uh, a better uh, control on the on on the uh, wear and tear of that uh, of that device of that uh, crane. Um, what's also uh, done is uh, sometimes not um, uh, building parts are uh, lifted, but people are lifted. There's a cage, and a person is put in the, that cage, and he can do some observations on a higher level. Um, and uh, that means that everything has to go really slow uh, because there's risk involved that people are, well, uh, uh, pro- projected. Uh, uh, they are, um, well, they can fall out of that, uh, that cage. That's not what we want. So we have built in the option from, from the cloud that we can operate that, uh, that safety measure. Um, and that made uh, the, the the cranes immediately more flexible. Our customer was able to sell uh, more cranes because uh, because of that flexibility. The customers didn't have to choose exactly for one type of crane. They could use a more expensive one, but then have it as uh, uh, rented in a more flexible way. And uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's a really nice uh, solution.
Brilliant, brilliant. So uh, that is an amazing uh, real-time use case that brought us to an interesting world of Azure IoT. So I'm really uh, excited that uh, so many learnings are up for us in the Azure IoT platform and I'm also going to um, start my learning on that as well after the session. So uh, thanks a lot Sander, that was a very uh, fruitful session. We had a lot of learnings, a lot of understanding about what Azure IoT is and its branches around surrounding it. So, uh, what are your thoughts about the uh, beginners in the community? How do you want to help them? What are the tips that you could give them? Well, um, if you're interested in IoT, in Azure IoT, the, there is a certification program from Microsoft. It's called the AZ220 Azure IoT Developer Specialty. Um, so, if you just Google for AZ220, um, you probably get to the resources. Um, next to that, Microsoft has a wonderful portal. It's called MS Learn, Microsoft Learn. There you can find hundreds or thousands of learning modules, really nice modules with examples and even in most of the cases, free Azure access. Uh, so you can actually try out what you have learned. But there's also a Q&A uh, section there where you can ask questions. And I spent a fair amount of my time answering questions over there. I love to share my knowledge and I want to be triggered by questions from others. So I learn also. Uh, and of course, uh, I have a blog. So if you Google my name, you probably will find my blog. And I try to blog about SIT in the broader sense. Um, so, uh, if I learn something and I think, Hey, this is interesting for others to know about, I probably will write about it or have written about it already. That's, that's amazing. So as you said, only when you are posted with questions, you get to trigger and you, um, learn a lot. So that was a wonderful, uh, lesson that you gave us in the end of this end of the show so thanks for your time and uh, thanks for sharing your knowledge with us Sander. we were really we were extremely happy to host you and i suppose the audience are also very excited to also learn more about this from your uh, from your contribution to the show thank you thank you so much Sander. you're welcome thank you